Hey there, this is Brian Zond, and welcome to my sermon podcast. I'm glad that you're interested in the sermons that I preach here at Word of Life Church in St. Joseph, Missouri. And if you ever feel inclined to help us by supporting us financially, you can do that at our website, wolc.com. Thank you. John chapter 16, verse 12, Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak of his own, but he will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. On Trinity Sunday, the church emphasizes that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Trinity is not a word found in Scripture. Rather, Trinity is a formulation that, well, it's a formulation within the Christian religion drawn by the church from Scripture. So do you, do you follow that? Trinity isn't a word in the Bible. It's a formulation uh, within the Christian religion drawn by the church from Scripture in concert with the Holy Spirit. And it took the church three centuries to arrive at a, a full creedal statement about the Trinity as set forth in the creed that we just confessed that was formulated in the year 325. Now, in the Council of Nicaea, we see how the Holy Spirit works with the church in the development of the Christian religion. But I also know that some modern Protestants uh, balk or resist that Christianity being referred to as a religion. And so today, in kind of more of a teaching than an actual preaching sermon, occasionally I feel like I ought to put on my professor's hat and uh, be professorial. And so I want to address the question, is Christianity a religion? Now, in answering this question, uh, we have to make a distinction between three things that if you mix them up, uh, you, you'll be confused. We have to make a distinction between, between Christ, the church, and Christianity. There are three different things. Christ, who is Christ? Christ is the logos of the Father. In the beginning was the word, the logos, the logic of God, the wisdom of God, God's understanding of God's self. In the beginning was the logos, and then we discover that the Logos in uh, the Incarnation becomes human and takes on flesh that, that he might heal what it is to be human. And this Logos was crucified, buried, and was raised on the third day and now is ascended to the right hand of the Father. This is Jesus Christ. So Christ is the second person of the Trinity. The church, what is the church? The church is the gathered community of people, of the baptized, who confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe that Jesus Christ is the truth of God. Go ahead and say amen. I know, I know it's just kind of a lecture, but go ahead and say amen because some stuff is good there. What is the church? The church is, is the gathered community of the baptized who confess that Jesus is Lord and believe that Jesus is the truth of God. Christianity is the religion developed by the church around Jesus Christ. I could, I could make it as simple as this. Uh, Christ is God. Church is the community. Christianity 
is the religion. So yes, Christianity is a religion, but what do we mean by that? Well, religion is a human construct seeking to understand and encounter the divine. Religion consists of various practices and beliefs. I mean, to be a part of a religion is to believe some things about the divine. And to be a part of a religion is to practice certain rites, rituals, ceremonies. Uh, so within Christianity, what we seek is to be, well, we seek orthodoxy, that means right worship and belief. We seek, we seek right worship and belief. And so today we've confessed that, that God is Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we seek orthopraxy. That is, we have certain practices. We gather on Sunday. We sing. We pray. We, we study scripture. All of those sorts of things. That's uh, orthopraxy. That's what we seek as Christians. Now, Christianity, quite simply, is the beliefs and practices centered around Jesus Christ. Jesus is the object of our, of our faith and our worship. And so, Christianity is the beliefs and practices that well, we could say it this way, that form us in our Jesus-centered faith and life. So if someone says to me something like, well, religion doesn't save you, I'll say, of course not. Jesus saves. Someone says, religion doesn't save you. Amen? It's not what it's supposed to do. That's not its purpose. Jesus is saved. I mean, Yahshua means the salvation of Jehovah. So yes, religion doesn't save you. Uh, Jesus saves you. What the Christian religion attempts to do is two things. Number one, to preserve and pass on the message of Jesus. So if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, you can thank the Christian religion for making it possible. It's the Christian religion that, that preserved the message and translated scripture and prints scripture and all of that sort of thing that preserves the message so that you can believe and have a personal relationship with Jesus. So that's the first thing that the Christian religion attempts to do, preserve and pass on uh, faith in Jesus. And the second thing is to form people in Christ's likeness because we don't want to just, our, our, our goal, our tell us where we're headed is not just to believe in Jesus, but to become like Jesus. I mean, by, by, by just the very name Christian, we, we are saying that uh, we aspire to become like Jesus. That's why I say there's a difference between being a Christian and being Christian. Uh, I mean, how do you become a Christian? You believe and you're baptized and you're a Christian. It's not hard to do at all. Uh, to become Christian, that's a life's work. Because that's to become Christ-like. So our goal is not just to become a Christian. We want to become Christian. Yes. We don't want to just believe like a Christian. We want to live like Jesus Christ. And uh, so that's what, that's what the Christian religion is up to. Here's yet another way of talking about it. We can think of it like this. God gave us Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God gave us Jesus. Say amen to that. Again, it might just be a lecture, but that's a good part right there. God gave us Jesus as salvation. Jesus gave us the church. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. Who said that? Jesus said that. So whose church is it? 
Jesus Church. Jesus Church. So um, what is Jesus doing now? He's building his church. He started building it 2,000 years ago. He's still working on it. He's patient. Works. He has to be patient. His building material is living stones. And he'll no sooner get one in place and then it runs off and he has to try to get it back. Come on. It's a, it's a hard job. But I, wanna, I want to be one of those living stones that Jesus... But I also want to work with... This is what Paul said. Paul says, I'm a master builder. And what's he building? He's building the church. Because that's why is, why is Paul building the church? Because that's what Jesus is doing. You say, well, why didn't Paul just you know, get people to pray a sinner's prayer and say, oh, see you in heaven? No, that's not what we're called to do. Jesus is building his church. And so if you want to be a part of what Jesus is doing, then you need to be involved in some way in that project. So God gave us Jesus, Jesus gave us the church, and the church, now watch this, created Christianity. The church has to work out definitions of what we actually believe. God gave us Jesus, Jesus gave the church, the church creates Christianity. For example, in Acts chapter 15, they had the first really super duper important council. The leaders of the church came together and said, well, we've got, a, we've got a disagreement. Some people say that to be Christian, that is to belong to Jesus, that is to be in the church, you have to be Jewish. And so if Gentiles want to have salvation and belong to Jesus, belong to the body of Messiah, well, they need to become Jewish first. The men need to be circumcised. Everybody needs to follow the Torah. Everybody needs to observe the Levitical dietary code, etc. Others said, uh, no, no, that's not how the deal's going down. Uh, God's going to take Gentiles just like they are with all of their pork chop eating ways. He'll just let them in. Just let them in. And there was a debate, and they had to decide, and they settled on letting the pork chop eaters in as they are. And so uh, that's an example of Christianity developing. But it, doesn't, but, that didn't, but it doesn't stop. So, for example, today we confessed a creed that isn't 2,000 years old. Uh, it, it wasn't formalized. Now, it was in, you know, it was... But, they were working on it. It took three centuries to really arrive at, well, because see, there there were problems. So so here these early Christians, and they go, well, we worship God. Okay. Do you worship Jesus? Oh, yeah, we do. Do you worship Jesus? Yeah, we worship Jesus. But you can't, you, you can only, you can only worship God. Yeah, well, Jesus is God. And we worship, uh, do you worship the Holy Spirit? Yeah, we worship the Holy Spirit too. Why? Well, because the Holy Spirit's a God too. So you worship three gods. No, 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 we worship one God. Yeah, but you worship, you worship God and you worship Jesus and you worship the Holy Spirit. Yep, amen. So you worship three gods. We do not worship three gods. We worship one God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But it took a long time to work that out. That's an example of the Christian religion Evolving, if you want to say it that way, developing, coming to terms, uh, learning how to. Well, this is what Jesus said. 
I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. You're not ready to hear it. You can't handle the truth. I don't, I don't think it was like that. But <laughs> I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you. He will guide you, or it will guide you, or she will guide you. don't mean to freak you out, but you know, spirit in the Greek is a, is a, is a neuter gender. Uh, noun, so it could be any of those, will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak of his own, but will speak whatever he hears. He will declare to you the things that are to come. So Jesus didn't give his disciples just this great package of here's all the truth you're ever going to need. He said, no, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to work with you all. And over time... You guys are going to make some more discoveries about the nature of who I am and who God is and who the Spirit is, etc. And so that's, that's kind of how that works. Um, now, recognizing Christianity as a religion, is, it has benefits. You say, why does this matter? Well, it, it does matter. It matters because it helps us temper our tendency toward all or nothing in our debates. We're not claiming that Christianity is ultimate truth. Christianity claims that Jesus is ultimate truth. Amen. Ah. See, see I, as soon as I said, as I say, we don't claim that Christianity is ultimate truth, you're like, what? But then, as soon as I followed up with, Christianity claims that Jesus is ultimate truth, you're like, yeah, that sounds right. Okay, so we're not claiming that Christianity is ultimate truth. We, Christianity claims that Jesus is ultimate truth. And within the Christian religion, there is a wide range of practices and beliefs. I don't know if you knew this, that not all Christians agree on everything. I don't know if you know that. So within the Christian religion, there are, there's a wide range of practices and beliefs. Not everybody agrees on everything. Not everybody does church the same way. I don't know if you know that either. Some churches do things differently than we do. I don't know if you know that. But it's still within, there are borders. It's not infinitely wide. There are borders, which is mostly what the creeds are about. So just, just land within this. And then there's room for discussion, debate, disagreement even. So, for example, uh, Calvinism and Catholicism are very different. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, they're very different, but both are found within Christianity. Both are found. Calvinists are Christians and Catholics are Christians and Catholicism is within Christianity and, and Calvinism is within Christianity. What they have in common is, a conf is their common confession regarding Christ that is set forth in the creeds. So Catholics and Calvinists don't need to claim that they have absolute truth. They may make that claim, but they shouldn't. Be be they'll be better off if they don't. Or we're lifers, but you know, we're whatever we are. Uh, Calvinists and Catholics don't need to claim they have absolute truth. It's enough to belong to the religion that seeks to know and interpret the ultimate truth that is revealed in Jesus Christ. But that's a process of interpretation, and we're going to maybe disagree along the way. So, 
within the Christian religion that confesses the truth of Christ, there's room for disagreement. What about heresy? Uh, heresy. What about heresy? Because heresy is a thing. It exists. Uh, for example, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you probably do know this. I, I have some very passionate, deep disagreements with Calvinists. Uh, some aspects of Calvinism, particularly things like their interpretation of predestination, their understanding of atonement, some other things, I have a really deep disagreement with, but I don't call it a heresy. I just don't. I just say, well, you guys are wrong. <laughs> About that, you're wrong. And, or, and then we'll have the debate, and I've done that. We'll have, okay, let's, let's debate it then. But I don't call them heretics. Heresy is really reserved for some profound mistake impinging upon the Godhead, upon the Trinity, actually. I mean, mostly heresy has to do with, mostly it has to do with Christology, usually. Or it could also be with the Spirit. But, for example, uh, that Jesus is, is not fully God. He's just the first creation of God and the preeminent. But he's not technically fully God. That's, that's, that's a heresy. And all non-heretical, truly orthodox, from Calvinists to Catholics to you know, assemblies of God, Baptists, word of lifers, whatever, uh, all confess, no, Jesus is very God of very God. So we reserve the word heresy for things that impinge upon the Godhead, not for a disagreement about predestination and things like that. So where did the notion or the idea that Christianity is not a religion come from? Because you've all heard that like a million times. Where does it, it come from? Because it's a, in, the, in the whole scope of things, in the, in the scope of the 2,000-year history of church, it's a very recent development. Where did the idea that Christianity is not a religion come from? Well, it's a capitulation, a surrender to the 18th century Enlightenment critics like Voltaire, David Hume, Thomas Paine, and the 20th century masters of suspicion, as they're called. Nietzsche, Freud, and Marx. As these 18th century Enlightenment critics, 20th century masters of suspicion, and others, but those are the prominent ones, Voltaire, Hume, Paine, Nietzsche, Voltaire, uh, Nietzsche, uh, Marx, and Freud, as they launched their criticism against all religion, that all religion is uh, bad, all religion's bad, this is bad, um, this attitude then began to be adopted quite widely in popular culture, at least among a lot of people. A lot of people began to agree with Voltaire and Nietzsche and all that. Yeah, religion's bad. It's just a bad thing. And so some Christians feeling defensive about that said, well, Christianity isn't a religion. That's just silly. Of course, and, and by the way, that argument only works with Christians. When someone is criticizing, you know, from outside Christianity, and they say, all oh, religion is bad, and you say, well, Christianity isn't a religion, they're going, oh, brother. They're, they don't buy that, because it is. <laughs> so, um, let's talk a little bit further. I want to I respond with the time I have left. I want to respond to seven kind of common sayings, modern sayings, that are in one form or another an objection to religion. For example, Jesus wasn't religious. Now, the, resp the initial response to that is, yes, he was. I mean, you're just simply wrong on that. Uh, Jesus was an observant religious Jew who was fully immersed and fully practicing, now really all-encompassing religion. 
Jesus was born into a Jewish home, family, world, circumcised on the eighth day. He's taught the scriptures. That's a sacred text. He learned the prayers. That's a part of religion. He attended. Well, he belonged to a synagogue there in Nazareth. And it was his custom to be there every Sabbath, which is also a religious observation where you don't work on the seventh day. Jesus practiced that. Jesus observed a dietary code. Jesus um, Jesus was uh, remarkably religious. I mean, he, he is in some ways the epitome of what, what modern people would call a religious man. He was thoroughly embraced in a rigorous religion. Second statement. Well, Jesus didn't come to start a religion. Well, that one's true. That's true. Jesus didn't come to start a religion because he already had one. Uh, he, he didn't come to start a religion. He just simply fully lived out his religion. Um, but the incarnation of the logos of God as a human being, announcing the kingdom of God, crucified, buried, raised, ascended, that event had so much impact that it was inevitable that a religion would form around it. I mean, the, the religion is like the crater of the impact of Jesus coming into the world as the logos of God made flesh and death, burial, and resurrection. That impact is inevitably going to create a religion. So if you say Jesus didn't come to start a religion, I'm with you there, but I'll also add, yeah, but he did come to start the church. He did come to start the church. And interestingly, Jesus didn't immediately, in his, in his earthly ministry, he never announced that this church that I'm founding which will be gathered communities everywhere that are, that are going to believe that the kingdom of God is coming through what I'm doing, not only teaching, but in my death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, these gathered Jesus never said, oh yeah, and by the way, Gentiles can be a part of this too. In fact, when Jesus sent his disciples out to go preach, he said, don't go, don't go to the Samaritans, don't go to the Gentiles. Just go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And he never corrected that. What corrected that was the Holy Spirit later on when Jesus said, I have things to say to you, including, he didn't say it, but he's thinking it probably, including Gentiles are going to be led into this thing as they are, but, but they'll just freak you out too much right now. So I'm not going to say that right now. We're going to give some time and some space, but when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to guide you into some truth you don't have yet. So no, Jesus didn't come to start a religion but his impact was such that a religion would form around it. I mean, that's if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you can thank the Christian religion for making that possible. So it preserves and passes on the message. But Jesus did come to start the church. I mean, that's pretty obvious. Uh, Jesus hated religion. No, that's your, that's your inner Nietzsche coming out right there. That's, 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 uh, that's old Frederick Nietzsche coming out there. Uh, Nietzsche hated religion, that's for sure. Jesus did not hate religion. What Jesus hated was hypocrisy. What Nietzsche and the rest do is argue that all religion is hypocritical. All religion is bad. All religion is, is, a, is a slave morality, is what Nietzsche would say. Uh, Jesus did not think that at all. Jesus, 
you know, he, he expected people to participate in synagogue and temple. And he expected people to participate in the church he was creating. What, what is bad is hypocrisy. Now, at one level, we're all hypocrites because we don't live up to what we confess. But, and so that's why we confess our sins and receive mercy and forgiveness. But that's not really hypocrisy. That's just human. Hypocrisy, is, you know what hypocrisy is. Hypocrisy is when you're not even really trying at all to live in a Christ-like way. You just want people to think you're Christ-like. So you're hiding. You're, the word comes from, it's, the word means to wear a mask. You're, you're, just, you're just pretending. That's, Jesus was like death. He was death on hypocrisy. But Jesus did not hate religion. Not at all. Uh, Christianity is a relationship, not a religion. That's a popular one. Again, that one only works with other Christians. It doesn't work with with non-Christians. Well, and it's not true. No, Christianity is the religion developed from the church. Christianity is the religion developed from the church in its relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That was was good. You didn't appreciate how good that was. So I'm going to say it again. People say Christianity is a relationship, not a religion. No, Christianity is the religion formed by the church's relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I believe in, I believe in a relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but it's not, it's not private. It can be personal, but it's not private. It's not individual, it's communal. We together, I mean, yes, yes, I, I, I experience Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but I do it with you. Christianity is a religion formed by the church's relationship, living vital relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's, it's, why, it's why later in Acts, you know, they have this council, and then they say at one point, they say, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Ever, ever read that phrase? That's in the Bible. The church was trying to make some decisions what to do, and they said, it seemed good. I mean, it it's, it's, it's comes out of that council. They described the process of what happened in writing a letter, setting forth. I don't know if I should say this. I think I will. In the letter, one of the things they say is that Gentiles are to refrain from fornication, from meat sacrificed to idols, and to blood. Because this is very offensive to Jewish people. Paul later on doesn't stick with that. Fornication is still out of bounds, amen. But the problem is you're there in this Jewish council and you're saying, okay, we don't, we don't want anybody buying their meat at temples you know, that where, 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 they, where the meat has been sacrificed to an idol and then you, you know, buy it at the butcher. Well, that's not a problem in Jerusalem. So yeah, okay, because they didn't even have those. You get to Corinth and it's like, uh, this is where all the meat is. I mean, all the meat is sacrificed to idols. And so, so, you know, we can't... So do we have to be vegetarian? And that's why Paul later on says, well, no, just don't... You know, if it offends somebody, don't do it. But yeah, you're, you're free in Christ to, to go to the butcher. And this was sacrificed. And I, well, whatever, you know, I'm not, I don't worship idols. And take it home and have your, have your steaks. See, you see how it's developing. And so they, they in their letter, they say, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. They're working on things. So Christianity doesn't come just as a, like a package delivered to you by Amazon. Here it is. Here's Christianity. No, it's developed over, and it's still developing, by the way. 
And, that's, and there's always friction when that happens. Uh, the, the saying, I'm not religious. Well, of course you are. Of course you are. You're a human being. Uh, we, we all practice rites and rituals. And as my friend David Dark says, life's too short to pretend you're not religious. Now, you may not go to church, but you're going to worship. You may worship at the mall. You may worship at the stadium, but you're going to worship. You know, it may be the devil. It may be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. That's for sure. Um, this one, I'm spiritual but not religious. Well, good for you. I'm both. I'm both. It's my religious practices that help my spiritual life to be properly formed in Christ. So I, I don't want just amorphous spirituality. You know, just sort of vague, just make it up as you go. I don't know, I just, I just feel spiritual today. Well, no, I do things like have a set time of pray, prayer where I pray the prayers and I have times when I read scripture, and I have times when I gather. I have times where I observe, you know, seasons by the calendar, you know. We just, this is Trinity. Why am I preaching on Trinity? Because it's on the calendar. So I have these, I'm religious because religion helps form my spirituality. So I'm both. I'm both religious and spiritual. Uh, finally, this is the last one. I know you're just dying to hear it. Okay. Uh, Religion is dying. Actually, that's not true. In fact, religion is on the rise everywhere, except it doesn't appear to be the case in Western Europe and North America. But there's a reason for that. I mean, if, if you just set aside Western Europe and, and North America, if you talk about the global south, you talk about Asia, religion is on the rise, not, not declining, on the rise. What's happened in um, North America and Western Europe is that religion has now migrated to the state and politics. That's why politics are so filled with vitriol these days because people carry their religious passion into it. William Cavanaugh talks about this in, in, this in his book, Migration of the Holy, that, that religion has now migrated into politics, and that's a problem. So, Christianity is the religion developed in response to the truth of Jesus Christ, and it's still developing because the Holy Spirit is still seeking to guide the church into all truth. One more time. John 16, 12. I still have many things to say to you. I need to talk to you about Gentiles and things like that, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes... Eventually, you know, the Spirit of truth is going to come on Pentecost, but then the Spirit's going to work with you, and there are going to be some issues and some conflicts, and you're all going to gather together in Jerusalem, and you're going to have a council, and there's going to be arguments and debates, some for and some against, but eventually James and Paul and Peter are going to win the argument, and you're going to learn that Gentiles can be Gentiles and Christians simultaneously. He will guide you into all that kind of truth, for he will not speak of his own, but he will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So, for example, at one time, the church didn't know that the very institution of slavery is evil. They just didn't know. I mean, even in the New Testament, twice, not once, twice, slaves obey your masters. And in Ephesians, it adds, with fear and trembling. So there's like an explanation on it. And, of course, we're offended by that today. 
And we try to soften it and we turn it into, you know, like, be a good employee. No, that's not what a slavery is. So the church had to, so, so why didn't Jesus just abolish slavery? Oh, yeah, and by the way, abolish slavery. Jesus, why didn't he say that? Apparently, we couldn't bear it yet. It's a little bit like this. I mean, I'm not saying they're exactly the same category, but just see if you can follow along. I, I'm, I'm quite convinced that the day will come. I don't know if it's in 50 years or 100 years or whatever. The day will come when our civilization reaches the point where we go, you know, this driving around in tin cans fueled by old dead dinosaurs and, and just ruining the climate, that's a really stupid idea, and we'll, we'll figure out something a whole lot better. And then, and then like 300 years from now, people will look back on us and say, what was wrong with those people? Didn't they know they were just ruining the, the climate and the environment, driving around in those tin cans, spewing smoke out the back? I mean, what was wrong with them? And we would say, well, it was, we, yeah, we kind of did, but it's, we, we couldn't get out of it. I mean, couldn't walk everywhere. You'd be late for work, you know, and the bus doesn't come. And so, yeah, and we say, Lord, have mercy. So... Why wasn't slavery abolished? It was always evil, but it just took a while for that truth to really sink in that it is possible to organize civilization without slavery. But it took a while. And the process of that coming to pass, that the Christian position on slavery is total abolition, that was fought for and against by Christians. Some Christians fought for it. A whole lot of Christians fought against it. So that's just part of the mess of being real people as a real church, trying to really understand truth in the light of Christ in concert with the Holy Spirit. But eventually the Holy Spirit led us into that truth with many Christians fighting for and against it. So Christianity isn't perfect theology. Jesus is. Jesus is the only perfect theology, and by the Holy Spirit we can grow in that truth. So now, let us practice the Christian religion by coming to the communion table, that we might encounter Christ. For that's what we confess. That this cup of blessing which we bless is our participation in the blood of Christ. This bread which we break is our participation in the body of Christ. There is a mysterious, mystical, sacramental union between us and the body and blood of Christ in this holy mystery. So stand with me. And we'll come and encounter Christ. And I want everybody to come. Everybody's invited. And, and come with the least amount of faith. It doesn't matter. Just come. So, somebody was coming through the communion line, I don't know, a few months ago. A young woman, and she kind of whispered to me. I had the cup there. And she said, she had the bread, and I was holding the cup. And she says, what if you don't believe? I said, it's a gift. Just take it. Just a gift. And so I want everyone to come. It's, it's a gift. And it's given to you in the name of Jesus. Let us confess our sins, receive forgiveness, and come to the table. Pray with me. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. 
we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. And this is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little. You who have not been here long and you who have, you, who, you have been here long, come, because it's the Lord who invites you. You that have faithfully followed, you that have fallen, come because it is the Lord who invites you. It's His will that those who want Him should meet Him here. Amen.